welcome in. Farzine Vasugian here with you for another episode of Farzcast. Hope you all had a great 4th of July holiday weekend. It was usually when a holiday like that is on a Tuesday, tends to be, you know, you, you want to leave work a little early on a Friday and uh, you have that nice, uh, nice long weekend. Uh, but you come back on a Wednesday, which is not the most ideal. But hey, we uh, we all find ways to uh, to make it work, right? Uh, nonetheless, I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to another episode of Farzcast. I appreciate everyone who reached out to me over the weekend uh, about my surgery. Uh, all went well. Uh, very minor knee surgery. So everything there went well. And um, oh, about halfway through full recovery. Like I said, uh, very minor. So not a big deal. Uh, but nonetheless, we are here back in the swing of things. A lot of things to get into here on this episode of Farzcast. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this has honestly been one of the topics that have dominated the Facebook page over the weekend. The uh, layoffs over at ESPN, 16 employees laid off over the weekend or really at the beginning of the weekend. So we'll talk about that. Why did that happen? There are three reasons for that. Two that a lot of people are talking about. One that's not getting a lot of attention. So we'll talk about that. Josh Allen. He spoke on a podcast on Barstool Sports and blamed the media for a lot of the talk about him and Stefan Diggs. Very interesting. Corey Dillon lashed out at the Cincinnati Bengals over their Ring of Honor selection. Brittany Mahomes has been targeted by PETA. That's always great. And Britney Spears, another Britney to talk about, got slapped by the San Antonio Spurs security. Imagine that. Uh, all of that and more here on this episode of Farzcast. Nick, I see you. Heidi, turn up the volume. Yeah, turn off the volume. Yeah, for those of you who are watching live, please give this a like and uh, share this as well if you can. Uh, like I said, a lot of things to get into. Uh, we've got a lot of topics. The one that's really going to take up most of the uh, podcast is going to be the ESPN layoffs because I have a lot of things to say on that front right there. As someone that's worked in the media, someone who does content creating, there are a lot of things to get into with this. Uh, like I said, this was the one that dominated the Facebook page over the weekend. And understandably so, a lot of people had a lot of things to say. Uh, let's just quickly look here for those of you that are uh, watching the video version of the podcast. Here's a look at the layoffs over at ESPN. 16 employees let go. Uh, so real quick, uh, I'll just go down the line real quickly here. Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy, both NBA analysts. Keyshawn Johnson does some NFL stuff for uh, ESPN. Also a co-host on ESPN Radio. Todd McShay, uh, a big name when it comes to NFL draft analysis. Max Kellerman. Uh, one of the hosts over at ESPN, Susie Colbert. This one shocked a lot of people. Uh, host and a reporter for ESPN. Ashley Brewer, an anchor for ESPN. LaFonso Ellis does some college basketball work for uh, for ESPN. Rob Ninkovich. I'll be honest. I did not know Rob Ninkovich was with ESPN. Uh, or, yeah, was with ESPN doing some, um, some NFL stuff. Another surprise, David Pollack from uh, College Game Day. He was let go. Matt Hasselbeck, Steve Young, both NFL analysts, both former NFL players. Uh, Jordan Cornette, another analyst who was let go. Jason Fitz, a host. And then you got a couple of reporters, June Lee and Nick Friedel, uh, guys who are probably not household names who were let go over at ESPN. So 16 people let go uh, by ESPN over the weekend. And there is a possibility that we have more. Stephen A. Smith did speak out and talked about how uh, he could be next. There's more coming. He also made it kind of a race thing, which I didn't really get his whole point there, but um, that's not really uh, the point I want to get into here. Um, why did 16 people get let go suddenly by ESPN before the holiday weekend? And it had nothing to do with the holiday weekend, just a coincidence, honestly. Uh, but there were a couple of reasons for this. You guys have mentioned the two big ones. One of them is to make room for Pat McAfee. Uh, I'm, obviously, this guy has probably the biggest sports show Online, right now, online or mainstream. Uh, Pat McAfee is a huge deal. Uh, this guy's getting the biggest guests 
uh, has the biggest conversations on the show and draws in a massive audience, draws in big numbers. I think a lot of you guys are aware, uh, a year and a half ago, Pat McAfee signed a huge deal with FanDuel. It was a four-year, $120 million deal with FanDuel. That's a, that's a pretty massive sponsorship for a, a YouTube show. I, I don't know at the time if he was with, um, with Mad Dog Sports Radio. I know his show was syndicated on there for a little bit. But I think you got to make room for Pat McAfee. If Pat McAfee is backing out of a sponsor a sponsorship that's paying $30 million a year annually, then I've got to imagine this ESPN deal is going to pay more than that. Uh, the second reason I saw Ivan kind of talk about this in uh, in the chat is the uh, the whole thing, the whole drama with Disney. As a lot of you guys know, ESPN is owned by Disney. Uh, listen, I'll just be completely honest. I don't follow so much of the woke stuff that's out there. I really don't follow that stuff. Uh, but a lot of people are bringing up the fact that ESPN is being too political at times. And they think that has led to this. Uh, look, I don't know. And let me just say outside of sporting events and maybe occasionally parts of a pregame show, like for Monday night football, I hardly ever watch ESPN. I really don't. I've talked, maybe like I'll see a few clips online uh, just to see what, what people are reacting to. But man, I hardly ever watch ESPN. Um, so I mentioned earlier, um, I'm recovering from knee surgery and, you know, I've been uh, at home a lot, which is, uh, gets pretty boring and tedious at times. Uh, especially after a long holiday weekend. So I said, why not? Let me just check out some of these shows like Undisputed, First Things First, whatever they call all these shows. Uh, first Take. These are fucking awful. Like, who watches this? What's the target audience for these shows? I mean, is this what you put on like at a, at a doctor's office, like in the waiting room? Is this just what you have on in the background? Is this what you have on in... Maybe sports bars on the East Coast that open a little early, like at 10 a.m. I, I I don't know. These shows are pathetic. They're terrible. Um, they're really not that entertaining at all. I don't know who watches these shows. Um, and it's guys like LaShawn McCoy, who, you know, had a very good career in the NFL. But is that the best you can get on set for a broadcast show? LaShawn McCoy? Um uh, I know that's a different network, but uh, some people have touched on the fact that, you know, ESPN brings up race too much and that Disney, I, I guess, uh, w with some of the things that they have been a part of uh, politically, people think that's the reason why ESPN has uh, had this downfall recently. Uh, Sports Illustrated th did put out a, uh, a post. Matt Verderami, who wrote for Fansider for a very long time, mentioned that ESPN stocks are up. Despite the layoffs, uh, I, I didn't really dive deep into that. Not not really uh, something I'm interested in. But uh, the biggest reason that a lot of people are not bringing up when it comes to ESPN's downfall. Well, we don't have to look very far. What are all of you guys doing right now? Whether you're listening to me live or listening to the archive version or, or watching live on the Facebook page. You're all watching or listening to a podcast. There are a lot of podcasts out there these days. Online content, content creators have honestly taken over. Um, they, they, they really have. And this is something that we need to dive deep into. Uh, why are these layoffs happening? It's 2023, folks. And let me just pre preface by saying layoffs in the industry, not just with ESPN or, or sports. I'm talking about journalism, media in general. This is nothing new. This has been going on for a long time, though I will say this uh, round of layoffs from ESPN and apparently a second wave is on the way. This is certainly the biggest set of layoffs we've seen from ESPN. It's drawing a lot of reactions from people everywhere. Like I said, this is this has easily been the most uh, dominant discussion on the uh, Facebook page over the weekend, over the holiday weekend. Um, but every single one of you guys right now are listening to a podcast at this very moment. And if you're not listening to me, 
uh, or, or, or after you listen to me, you might tune into another podcast or another uh, content or show of some sort, maybe on YouTube or on Facebook, wherever, uh, wherever you can post content. Um, I do know this, by the way, I do have some good sources that are telling me that Fox Sports and CBS have already reached out to a number of these recently released employees over at ESPN or formerly with ESPN, I should say. Um, and so I think a lot of these guys are going to get back on their feet, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I know like some people like Keyshawn Johnson, he's, um, uh, he's, uh, I guess it's in his contract to, to get the entire, um, length of his deal. So he's getting taken care of, uh, from that standpoint. Um, but some like, like June Lee, like a lot of people don't know who he is. That guy does not make six figures over at ESPN. So that's someone that needs to, uh, find some work pretty quickly. Uh, depending on his situation, I'm going to get back to the laid off employees in a moment here because I, I, I just kind of alluded to their futures, but I think there's something bigger for maybe not all 16, but I would say a majority of them if they play their cards right. And I'm going to get into that later because I think this is a very important discussion to have here, not just with sports media, media in general, because to me, this is very fascinating. Not the fact that 16 people were let go, but where media is today, let me just start with this. So as you guys know, the Chief Zone is coming back next Wednesday will be the first episode, the return episode of the Chief Zone. 16 years ago this month, I actually launched the Chief Zone. Uh, there was no other Chiefs podcast on the internet at the time. This was the only one. This was the first one. Uh, there were only a couple of Chiefs blogs at the time, Arrowhead Addict and Arrowhead Pride. And the people who created those blogs, uh, two different guys, they were not anyone of important significance. In other words, they're not, not say they were irrelevant, but when it comes to the media world, these are not guys who were well-known. Nobody knew who in the world these guys were. In other words, they didn't have any clout, so to say, to be able to build this thing and make it famous from day one. They had to start from the bottom and rise to the top. Bleacher Report. Look at Bleacher Report, okay? Bleacher Report's come a very long way. That was founded by four dudes who, again, not notable, notable people whatsoever, and not all of them are, are with Bleacher Report anymore. Um, they were not anybody that were part of the media industry in a big manner or in any way. Over time, CNN hired Bleacher Report and used Bleacher Report's top writers as correspondents and reporters, uh, anytime CNN wanted to do a sports segment, eventually that led to Bleacher Report signing a big deal, which they still have today with Turner Broadcasting, which owns CNN, TBS, TNT, True TV, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Boomerang. You get the idea. That was a huge deal for Bleacher Report back then when they signed this deal, because that's when they would constantly get promoted for NCAA tournament games for the first time. And that's when a they got a lot of new eyes, by the way, funny little story about Bleacher Report. So a lot of you guys know, I joined them in 2011 and in uh, 2012, I transferred to KU uh, and I was part of their student media uh, where I got to cover uh, football. My first year there it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, so I'm in the uh, media room. We're waiting for Charlie Weiss to arrive for his uh, press, for his weekly press conference and uh, one of the associate ADs, uh, Jim Marcioni, really nice guy. Um, he was approached by a couple of the uh, of the reporters there, and they kind of they weren't being rude or, or mean or, or anything like that. Um, but they kind of tease them. They're like, "Hey, uh, we saw you uh, put Bleacher Reports rankings over at KU's uh, social media page," and I, I knew exactly what they were referring to. I read the comments, and a lot of people said, "Why are you sharing Bleacher Reports rankings?" Uh, well, for one, Bleacher Report ranked KU basketball number one for the upcoming season. But, man, look at Bleacher Report today. A lot of people sign up for Bleacher Report's notifications. Listen, while we're on the topic with ESPN here, Bleacher Report is way faster than ESPN 99% of the time when it comes to getting news out there. I got a news story about Bo Nickel, a UFC fighter whose opponent backed out due to an injury. Bleacher Report and ESPN set notifications the exact same second. Bleacher Report's notification actually announced the new opponent. ESPN's notification, which came the exact same second, shared a uh, story about how he's still looking for an opponent, which is not a good look considering ESPN is partners with the UFC. 
Uh, I just wanted to get that out there. But yeah, anyway, the, the point I was trying to make with the story is that uh, one of the uh, uh, associate uh, directors, uh, our athletic directors um, for uh, KU was approached by a couple of people in the media, and they kind of teased them about uh, sharing a Bleacher Report story or ranking, I should say, on uh, on their social media. But look at Bleacher Report today, man. Look at The Athletic. That is an online subscription-based website. Um, and they are competing against local newspapers like the Kansas City Star, uh, the Lawrence Journal World, the Wichita Eagle. Uh, I mean, I believe it's Nate Taylor from The Athletic who covers the Chiefs. So, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Nate Taylor. And I think a lot of people may go to him more often than they would the Kansas City Star. Uh, I know Fansided has a partnership of some sort with Sports Illustrated. USA Today has created its own NFL Wire group where they have a page for all 32 teams. Even ESPN's website has reporters for all 32 teams, and those guys also do TV, TV hits uh, for the network. So if they want in-depth coverage for the Chiefs, they'll go to Adam Teicher. Um, and, and that's besides, you know, their insiders like Schefter, Fowler, Yates. Uh, they'll go to Adam Teicher if they want some in-depth uh, Chiefs reporting. Or Brooke Pryor, who used to cover the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star. I know she's not uh, well-liked in the area due to some of her reportings, but uh, she's not with the Steelers. Uh, or, excuse me, with ESPN covering the Steelers. And she's been on TV several times uh, to give some uh, in-depth um, Steelers coverage for, uh, for their network on TV. So... You have ESPN reporters who are doing that kind of thing. 16 years ago, when I started podcasting, ESPN had just one person covering an entire division. So, for instance, the AFC West, Bill Williamson. If you guys have been following sports coverage online for the last 16 years, I'm sure you've come across Bill Williams uh, Williamson's work at some point. Uh, he took care of all of the online content for ESPN when it came to the Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos. One guy, one guy covered an entire division for ESPN's website. Now, because of the demand for ESPN and for the coverage to be better and more in-depth, one guy cannot cover four teams in-depth, so they broke it up, and Adam Teicher went from the Kansas City Star to ESPN uh, to be able to meet those demands. By the way, here's another website I, I forgot about, Barstool Sports. I know a lot of you guys have opinions about Barstool Sports. Dave Portnoy, again, this Portnoy was not some ESPN personality uh, or anything that left and started this. This guy started from the ground up. Uh, it was a four-page paper. He just handed them out to people in the streets and in the subways of Boston and grew from there. Look where Barstool Sports is at today. I alluded earlier, Josh Allen uh, did a podcast interview for Barstool Sports that we got to get into a little later on. Uh, they're getting big guests. They're getting big names on their show. Honestly, man, Barstool Sports, out of any sports website out there, they probably get the biggest guests consistently, the biggest names on their show. Um, look where they are now. I mean, even their cameraman, their social media manager, their uh, behind the scenes people all have big followings on social media, which kind of leaves me to my next point here with social media followers. Um, Listen, I'm not one to really talk about these kinds of things because I think it's kind of douchey here. But to make a point here, my Facebook has 55,000 on on, uh, on Facebook, I just said. Uh, 11,000 on Instagram. These are followers, by the way. 10,000 on Twitter. 9,000 on TikTok. Kirk just asked, have you dumped Twitter and joined threads? I haven't dumped Twitter yet, but I am on threads. Yeah, that is a thing going on right now. Um, listen, those uh, followings I just mentioned for my social media... Um, and for the purposes of this discussion here, I, I went and looked up um, some of the uh, following for people who work in the media in Kansas City, whether it's for one of the four television stations or whether they do radio here in Kansas City or the Kansas City Star. Man, my following is bigger than a lot of those guys out there. Um, the sports people generally have a bigger following. Those who have been in Kansas City a very long time, like Chris Ketz. Um, John Holt, they have a pretty massive following because they've been anchoring in Kansas City for a very, very long time. So those guys have pretty solid following. But outside of that, man, especially a lot of news reporters in this town, man, they may have one, two thousand, sometimes not even that many followers on social media. In fact, another thing I did, um, I looked up uh, some of my classmates from uh, KU um, 
who I know are in the media industry, a lot of them got out of it because they just couldn't do it. Like, same as me. Um, and I'll get to myself later on here uh, because I do want to be honest and transparent with you guys with my experience in the media and being a content creator. Um, a lot of them don't have a big following. Uh, I, I'm not even in journalism anymore, and I have a following bigger than them. Uh, and I know people who are in big markets like L.A., Phoenix, uh, or even right here in Kansas City. And uh, again, they don't have the following that I have. Uh, and they should because they're actually in the media. They're doing journalism. Um, listen, let me just say this. Uh, I'll, I'll be upfront with you guys. When I worked in the media, I was not making a lot of money. I was working a lot of different jobs at once. Um, I made $400. This is not a lot here. So, so brace yourselves. A lot of people looked at the ESPN guys. Yeah, few of them are making six seven figures annually, but some of those guys are not making even close to six figures. A lot of you guys would be very surprised what people in the media make. Um, let me just say uh, this right now. I'll give you guys my history. With Bleacher Report, I made $400 a month. That is absolutely nothing. Um, at 610 Radio, I was getting $9 an hour. Uh, on average, I would get 15 hours a week at 610. Uh, by the way, someone at 610 was asking what, how much I make for Bleacher Report, and I told them, uh, and they go, oh, would Bleacher Report pay me $400 a month? They, they, they wanted like a, a letter of recommendation from me so they could just get the, the $400 added on. Um, 400 is a lot in the media industry, I suppose, especially if you're doing a lot of things part-time, but man, that just shows you a lot of people in the media will do anything for extra cash like that. Uh, at the Lawrence Journal World, I made $10 an hour. I made $150 per story as a freelance writer for the Kansas City Star. That sounds nice if you're getting a lot of stories. Uh, eventually, they just didn't have, a, the, have it in the budget, and they stopped giving me stories, unfortunately. But I was doing all of that at once. I was employed later by the Star, uh, working their sports desk, uh, helping with the um, uh, fill out the sports page. That was 9 bucks an hour. Uh, and by the way, the other four I mentioned, I was doing all at once. I also had a full-time job during the day, not related to journalism or sports media at all. Uh, just to help pay the bills uh, and all that stuff. Uh, again, these were all part-time jobs. I had another full-time job during the day uh, that had nothing to do with sports media. Again, just to get through, just to get through. I don't hide the fact, by the way, that I do make money on social media and with the podcast. And that is a big thank you to you guys. Um, you guys have, have helped change my life. There are a lot of content creators who, whether it's just a few hundred dollars, maybe six figures, uh, their lives have changed because of their audience and their following. Um, and they know what it's like because they all started from the ground up. Um, so I appreciate all of you guys uh, because you guys have honestly changed my life in a very positive way. Um, with that said... Uh, I'll just, I'm not going to go into the details, but I'll say right now, the money I do make on social media, it's more than Bleacher Report 610, LJ World, and the Kansas City Star combined. It, it really is. I'm just being completely honest here. In fact, I'll say this right now. There are a lot of people in the journalism industry that hate podcasters and bloggers and content creators because they know that those guys who pull in massive numbers on their Facebook, on their YouTube channel, on whatever. They know those guys make more money than they do. And the ones who are in the journalism industry, dude, they're doing a lot of hustling and bustling just to make a buck, just to make a buck. Kirk says, I personally don't care for Sports Illustrated, Barstool, or Bleacher. They don't tell the whole story or even the story at all. Um... I'll take your word for it. I'll be honest. I don't read a lot of that content, which again, you know, there's a lot of blogs out there now. Um, I, gosh, I cannot remember the guy's name, and it's uh, bugging me right now. Um, but there was a uh, a writer for the, from the Kansas City Star who uh, I was at Johnson County Community College at the time, and he came to speak to journalism students. And there was a student who raised her hand and asked, you know, do you think blogs and podcasts with them on the, this was 2009, by the way, her question was with those on the rise, do you think that will make an impact with newspapers like the Kansas City Star? He immediately shook his head and said, no, we're always going to be strong. That did not age well. That did not age well, not one bit. Here's a problem with the journalism industry today. 
whether it's television, talk radio, newspapers. Newspapers have had it the worst. They are not as strong and stable as they once were 16 years ago. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story. When I was a student at KU, uh, Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star came to uh, one of my classes at KU to speak. And he mentioned uh, Russ and Dodd, who's also a KU grad. And he mentioned that uh, when K- uh, this was 2013. Yeah, 2013, he came to speak to my class. He said that in 2008, the uh, the Kansas City Star team he had covering the national championship that year when KU won. The only person who was still on on the staff in 2013 was Rustin Dodd and him. That's how much turnover there is in that industry. Um, sometimes people get bigger jobs and move on. Some people get laid off. It's um, it's it's insane out there. But going back to those people who were let go by ESPN, because here's the point I'm trying to get into here. I have no doubt that those guys will find work again, could be with CBS Sports, could be with Fox Sports, NBC Sports, wherever. I have no doubt that they'll uh, they'll be employed pretty soon. But is there maybe another alternate? I mean, what have we been talking about for the uh, for the past several minutes? Blogs and podcasts. Wouldn't some of these guys be better off doing their own thing, like a podcast, like a blog, like a YouTube show, like what Pat McAfee's doing? I mean, let me just let let me uh, pull this up real quickly here, because I think a lot of you guys are going to be very surprised by this. Uh, Bear with me one second here. Okay, if you go to Apple Podcasts, it used to be called iTunes Podcasts. Now it's Apple And if you uh, sort by categories and look at the top 200 sports podcasts, number one is Dan Lebitard. Dan Lebitard was with ESPN before. Number two is Bill Simmons, another alum of ESPN, also with Grantland and uh, formerly with HBO. The number three podcast is part of my take, Barstool Sports. Okay, so that's kind of a blog that's high up there. But Barstool Sports, I mean, they're unlike any other blog out there. They're as big as ESPN and Fox Sports, essentially. Number four is Zach Lowe. This is an ESPN-branded podcast, uh, meaning that it's by an ESPN host, produced by ESPN, published by ESPN. Uh, Ryan Russillo, formerly of ESPN, number eight podcast. Number nine is Colin Cowherd. His show gets archived. So we haven't talked about this yet. What a lot of radio shows are doing now, if you don't catch a single second live, you can listen to the entire show on their podcast page. They also upload all their podcasts to Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever. So Colin Cowherd does it. Just about everybody does it. Uh, And if they're not, uh, I mean, you're doing it wrong. This is their way of trying to at least compete with the podcasters. So now you have archived radio shows that are competing with podcast top charts. They're not technically podcasts. They're radio shows. They're just being uploaded as podcasts. Uh, Tony Kornheiser, his podcast is number 18. And his pardon, uh, pardon the interruption show is right behind his own podcast, number 19. Uh, a lot of Barstool Sports podcasts are up uh, on the top 200 charts. Lots of ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, NBC Sports podcasts are archived in podcast form. Uh, a lot of current and former athletes are now doing podcasts. Obviously, it's very easy. Like Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. I mean, those guys, their podcast, they did not have to start from the ground up. They were already at a 10 because of who they are. Um, so that's a very, uh, more and more athletes are doing this, man. Uh, look at Jim Ross. Who's a longtime pro wrestling announcer. He's got a top chart podcast. Chris Jericho, who's been a longtime pro wrestler. He's got a top chart podcast. Shannon Sharp, another hall of famer here. Another notable name, UFC announcer, John Anik and former UFC fighter, Kenny Florian. They do their own podcast separate from the UFC. It's not even UFC content driven or anything. This is their own podcast. Uh, they do at their own time off the clock from the UFC. Uh, Pat McAfee, his um, YouTube show, which is, I guess, technically a live podcast. That is uh, one of the top podcast charts. Here's why I'm bringing this up. 16 years ago, if you looked at the top 100 podcast charts on iTunes, which is now Apple, the, the top 100 podcasts were by people like me, people like you, 
people who weren't from ESPN or Fox or CBS or anything like that. These were average people that thought they could, you know, provide commentary just as well. And so they created podcasts back in 2005, 2006, 2007, around that time. And now the the pod, the top podcast charts are taken over by people we know, like Travis Kelsey, Adam Schefter, Ryan Russillo, Dan Lebitard, Pat McAfee. Um, that's where podcasting has gone now. Podcasting was great for the average person to create and the audience was the average person fans made podcasts and fans listened to podcasts now 95 percent of these top podcasts are by famous people uh they're either from espn or fox or cbs or barstool or radio shows that get archived or podcasts that are simply hosted by famous people uh let me uh go politically for a moment here i, I think you guys all know who tucker carlson is he had the number one uh, rated show on primetime uh, among cable news networks uh, weekdays or weeknights, I should say. He was unexpectedly let go by Fox uh, in April. He was making, according to Forbes, 15 to $20 million per year. Boy, I'll tell you what, for a one-hour show, that is a shit ton of money. That is a lot of money for uh, one hour a, uh, a day, a night, uh, weeknights. Now, Tucker's no longer on Fox. His best move, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, his best move is to create a podcast. Do exactly what Pat McAfee is doing. Hire a producer, hire a couple people to handle equipment with, with cameras, uh, audio, whatever. Hire some people to do that. Uh, maybe hire someone else to handle sponsorships. Boom, you, you, you make a lot of money out of that. You pay some people. He's going to get a massive following. He had the number one show among cable news networks. So it's going to thrive if he does. And he kind of is doing that already. He's already like doing this weird thing on Twitter. And I'm very curious to see what where he goes from there. Regardless of what your opinion is of him, that's not the point here. The point is this is a guy that was part of a big news network. And it, now that he's let go, he might do well on his own. He really might. Uh, again, all you got to do, get some, um, I mean, get a producer, get a, get people who know about podcasting equipment. Boom. You're off running, get some sponsorships. You are going to thrive. I'm surprised we haven't seen way more athletes, actors, singers, uh, politicians. I think Ted Cruz does a podcast too. I think uh, there are a lot of politicians who do podcasts. I know Rob Riggle used to do a podcast, um, where he hired someone to be the host and he would be the co-host. He was the star of the show as a co-host. Um, I'm surprised we're not seeing more and more people do that because they make money what they do. Then they can make more money on the side if they can just commit one, two hours a week, maybe twice a week podcasting. So look, I don't know what the future holds for those 16 former ESPN employees but they have options. They 100% have options. They can go the easy way and just go to another network, NFL Network, CBS, Fox Sports, whatever. Or they can try to... Now, a guy like June Lee, I mean, he might not do well on his own. Uh, but let me uh, let me pull up the, uh, the list real quickly again. I mean, guys like Jalen Rose, Keyshawn, jo Todd McShay, Todd McShay, Max Kellerman... Uh, Steve Young and David Polak, I think 100% would thrive if they did their own thing, kind of like what Pat McAfee's doing. I mean, maybe you don't have to do the exact same thing as him, but you could at the very least um, make it so you're doing some sort of online content. And if you can get it sponsored, which should not be too hard given their, their names... Dude, they're off and running. They really are. Um, someone uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I know you do uh, uh, podcasts and stuff. I know you used to be in journalism. I, I really want to do this. What advice do you have for me? I said, look, if you want to go to journalism school, go. I'm not going to say not to. Go learn what you need to do. But after that, create a podcast. Get it sponsored. Put out good content out there on the web. 
and go from there. Do that instead of going to a radio station. Let me let me explain um, the advantages of podcasting versus someone like ESPN. Let's say um, let's say Soren Petro, for instance. Okay, uh, and I like Soren Petro. I think he's great. I interned for him. He's been he was on my Chiefs podcast many times. Really, really nice guy. Uh, in fact, he gave me a shout out last year because uh, he uh, was doing some research and he found my work that helped out with uh, one of his segments. Uh, and I appreciated that. Um, lost touch with him, unfortunately. I haven't ta- talked to him in a very long time, but um, he has a show in the afternoons. Let's His show ends, I think, at 6 o'clock. Let's say 6.30 on a Friday, DeAndre Hopkins signs with the Chiefs. Well, Soren Petro, yeah, sure, he can go and tweet about it, but Soren Petro... Can't do his radio show until Monday. So he's not going to be able to react to it in time or any other type of breaking news. Whereas a content creator, all you got to do is turn on that camera right there. Get this mic plugged into your computer right here. Boom. Just hit record or hit the live button, whatever you got to do. And you can start reacting instantly. So the way media has gone i mean you're at a point now like if you're like okay 810 obviously competes with 610 podcasters do not compete with other podcasters they they really don't i know there are some people who have the small dick syndrome and they compare podcasting to other podcasts like you guys can listen to this podcast and then you guys can go listen to another podcast we're not even if we're streaming live at the same time we're not directly competing against each other because you can still listen at different times and still get your uh what you're looking for when you listen to a podcast or multiple podcasts whereas with 810 and 610 yeah they're competing against each other but then considering like look how many chiefs podcasts are on the web right now a chiefs podcaster they can respond instantly once you're off the air, man, you're off the air. Unless there's like extreme breaking news like the Javon Belcher situation um, or the Jordano Ventura death. Like it would have to be a very extreme deal to just take over on a weekend. Um, there, I mean, you're not on the air for a couple of days for the weekend. Uh, sure, again, you can react on Twitter, but that's just not the same. A content creator, I mean, they're actually making money when reacting, on again youtube facebook apple podcast spotify wherever um i don't think a lot of journalists are profiting from social media so if they're saying anything if they're reacting i don't think they're making money while they're doing it if that makes sense so in closing here um my whole point is uh, you know look those 16 people let go uh, potentially more that could come soon. This could be a blessing in disguise for those people. Listen, I'm sure ESPN at one point was this mega dream for every sports broadcaster that started very low and every aspiring sports broadcaster, including me. But then just over the years, man, they're, they're just the stories that have come out from ESPN. And listen, ESPN is not the only one. Um, but you get handcuffed and your hands are tied as to what you can and can't say. Uh, they, they restrict you in certain places and the amount of work and effort you're putting in for good quality content. Sometimes it's not worth it. That's why a lot of times when people leave like Jason Whitlock, regardless of your opinion of him, the guy's doing just fine outside of ESPN and he's hopped around nationally a bit, but he's doing fine. So I'll say this. I think those people who, uh, who got let go by ESPN, I think it's a blessing in disguise. I really do. All right, let's move on. That was a big chunk of the, of the podcast. I'd love to hear your guys' reactions. I know some of you guys might not be listening live, so I'm always interested in your guys' reactions even later. Uh, a few other uh, quick stories here I want to get into. Um, there are a lot of them, but I'll go very quick with all of them. Josh Allen blames the media for blowing the whole... Uh, Stefan Diggs uh, deal uh, out of proportion, apparently. What uh, uh, what what I what, what I'm referring to is the whole sideline thing and the playoff loss to Cincinnati. Um, you know the the one that gets talked about still to this day is a 13 seconds game, where it's just like, man, how do you lose that one? 
with 13 seconds. Obviously, there was no message to the kicker to, to squib it in that situation, which maybe would have helped. Who knows? Um, and then him not showing up for uh, mandatory practice and McDermott even admitting that he's concerned and that he doesn't know where he is. But really, you want to blame the media? The me- Look, um, I criticize Chiefs fans because Chiefs fans criticize TMZ for Kareem, the whole Kareem Hunt situation, not once but twice when he, <clears throat> excuse me, when he um, was caught on camera uh, assaulting that woman. And then again, a year later, where he was pulled over with uh, possession of, I, I think it was possession of marijuana or something. I don't know. Um, look, you want to blame TMZ, really? I mean, look, if Kareem Hunt is not doing these things, TMZ cannot post video of him doing anything bad. Same thing here, man. You know, Stefan Diggs goes right up to Josh Allen on the sidelines while Allen's sitting in defeat while the game is still going on and putting his arms up. I mean, you, you, what do you, what do you want the media to do about that? He doesn't show up for mandatory practice and Sean McDermott admits that he's concerned. You really think the media is blowing it out of proportion? Um, look, I, I know Josh Allen's got a lot going for him right now with the Madden cover and all that, but dude, this guy had a really bad year. Uh, like a year ago today, everybody talked about how invincible the Buffalo Bills roster was on paper and that they were going to go very far. Well, look, look what happened, man. I mean, the amount of turnovers Josh Allen committed at all did not match the hype he was getting before the season. And if he does not erase those turnovers, oh, wait, wait till the media overblows that, right? You think this is blown out of proportion? Just wait for November and December. It'll be a lot worse then. Corey Dillon, former running back for the Bengals, the all-time leading rusher for the Bengals, he uh, ripped the Bengals' ring of honor for their selection. He said that it shouldn't be a popularity contest. He thinks that the front office uh, and a special committee should be deciding who uh, gets into the ring of honor. Um, okay, I don't really disagree with him much, but I, I believe that's how a lot of teams do it. Uh, but you got to keep in mind things with him ended on really bad terms. He was not happy about a situation in Cincinnati and therefore he got traded to new England and that was it for his time. He also got arrested for domestic violence in 2000. You know, this reminds me a lot of Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson was 75 yards away from becoming the Chiefs single season rush or single uh, career rushing leader. And Chiefs fans put out a petition. They said, look, we don't want this guy as the uh, rushing leader because of his off the field issues and his behavior on social media. Um, so essentially, Larry Johnson got canceled by Chiefs fans. Um, this kind of reminds me of the same. Like Larry Johnson, this guy has had maybe the best back-to-back season performances in Chiefs history. Maybe one of the best back-to-back performances ever in NFL history. Two 1,700-yard seasons. Um, And he's not in the Chiefs' ring of honor because of his behavior off and on the field. Um, And I don't think he ever will. I think Larry Johnson should be in the ring of honor. But he never will because of how things ended uh, with his and everything that was happening before his time in Kansas City. And I think Corey Dillon's got to understand. Yeah, look, listen, I don't disagree with Terrell Owens not being a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think with his behavior and just the things that he constantly dealt with in his career, I think some of the voters held that against him. I don't agree with it, but. I'm not a voter, so I guess it's not really up to me. I guess no one really cares if I agree or not. Um, and I think Tara Lowens, he took it pretty personally. He didn't want, he didn't even want to give a speech uh, the year he actually got inducted. So, you know, I, I think you just got to understand, you know, if things don't end well, if you deal with a lot of things like that, that's what's going to happen to you. Um, you're going to get 
passed on for those kinds of things. Michael Vick was on Tyreek Hill's podcast, It Needed to Be Said, and he said that Andy Reid might be the best coach of all time uh, by the time he retires. Colin Cowherd followed it up by making a very strong case for Andy Reid, talking about how it took Reid 19 years to get his guy in Mahomes while it took Belichick, what, year five or six in his total years as a head coach to get his guy, Tom Brady. And then he did the uh, head-to-head comparison where uh, he compared Belichick's record with and without Brady, and then he compared Andy Reid's record with and without uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I stumbled there for a moment because I opened uh, CBS, and that is exactly what they have. They're asking people, who's the better coach? Uh, Patrick Mahomes or excuse me, uh, Andy Reid or uh, Bill Belichick. Um, and I'm pulling up the graphic here. So Andy Reid with Mahomes is 64 and 16. Without Mahomes, 183, 122 and 1. Bill Belichick with, with Brady, a very impressive 219 and 64. Without Brady, he's below 500, 79 and 88. Cowherd uh, even went on to talk about the fact that the Chiefs' offense is just more exciting and more fun to watch than what Brady and Belichick had. And then he also dove a little deeper into this conversation and even talked about the coaching trees, said that the Andy Reid coaching tree is excelling far better. Okay, let's go over this quickly. Um, because I don't know if I agree that a coaching tree is really an indication as to who the better coach is. In comparison, but let's go over this, okay? Belichick has had Charlie Weiss. He's had Romeo Cornell, Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, Joe Judge. Um, I know I'm forgetting someone else, uh, but but there's been a long list of guys there, and they have all failed uh, terribly at being a head coach whether it's in the NFL or in, in, in the college realm. Um, the Patriots assistants under Bill Belichick just have not done well at all when they've um, when they've become head coaches. Now, Andy Reid's assistants who have become head coaches like Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson, they have both been fired, but they've also both found success. Doug Peterson, for instance, with a backup quarterback, he won the Super Bowl. And every postseason after the Carson Wentz injury, the Eagles were massive underdogs in every playoff game, but they still won all of them, including a Super Bowl win over the Patriots. Um, Now, unfortunately, Peterson got fired, but he took over uh, for the Jaguars and led them to a playoff game. Actually got a playoff win over um, the Chargers, that big comeback uh, against the Chargers. You look at uh, Matt Nagy. First of all, the situation he was in was terrible. But with what he had to work with, he turned Mitchell Trubisky, yes, Mitchell Trubisky, into a pro bowler who is now a backup in the NFL. I don't know. With who? Pittsburgh? I think. I can't remember who. Um, And he also won coach of the year. So despite both Peterson and Nagy getting fired, they've both either won the coach of the year award or Super Bowl. Bill Belichick's coaching tree cannot say that. Now, is that an indication as to who's better between Belichick and Reed? I don't know. I don't think so. But Colin Coward seemed to use that as a big point. By the way, Dan Shanka, uh, who uh, a great friend of the podcast for so many years, uh, former scout for Andy Reed in Philadelphia, former scout for the Chiefs, also a former scout for KU football uh, years ago, Uh, We talked about this once. I said, why are Belichick's assistants not doing well when they become head coaches? And he had a very interesting theory. He said that he believes Belichick does not reveal everything, Um, even to his current assistants. When he wants something done, he tells them what to do and how to do it. Doesn't really explain the intricacies or explain why to do it. Uh, And listen, when Bill Belichick tells you to do something, you don't ever question it. You just do it. Because that's just, that's just the way it works with Bill Belichick. Um, and, and, you know, he might be onto something. I don't know. 
maybe uh, maybe he's right uh, on that front there. But very interesting comments from Mike Vick and Colin Cowherd on Andy Reid potentially being the best coach. That has now driven a big debate on the internet about those two. Uh, let's talk about Brittany Mahomes because uh, she got a lot of talk recently. PETA, yes, PETA went after Brittany Mahomes because she did a photo shoot on vacation with a dolphin at a zoo recently. Uh, they said they actually commented on her Instagram post. They said, quote, we know you love companion animals, but we hope to see you extend your compassion to marine life, too. Because I guess dolphins are in a very enclosed. They're a big animal. Uh, they're big animals, I should say, in um, small spaces in zoos. Well, if that's the case, you know, why not go after zoos? And someone mentioned, well, it's probably because it's easier to go after celebrities than it is a zoo. And I can understand that. Uh, by the way, Brittany deleted that post. Uh, I was actually very surprised she gave in to that, but she did do that. I don't know if she was advised by anyone to do that, but nonetheless, she did delete the post about the dolphin there. Um, uh, look, I, I mean, she wasn't beating up the dolphin. The dolphin did not look like it was in serious danger. The, I mean, a lot of times, like there are a lot of people who post pictures and videos of them. Like uh, dolphins are so easy to take pictures with. I, I don't know why exactly. I'm not a big animal person, so I can't really get into that, but it's so easy to pose with a dolphin. Um, I mean, dolphins, like, I don't know the whole training process there, but you do some things with dolphins, man. They they can respond and uh, they can uh, obey certain commands um, in and out of the water. Like, it's impressive to me. So, uh, listen, that dolphin did not look like it was fearing for its life or anything like that. So, listen, I'm not a big defender of Britney's in any way, but I thought that was really stupid. Britney again got slammed, this time by the general public, because she tweeted uh, a couple of nights before, which this is a common thing in America, America, uh, where people are shooting off fireworks uh, before the 4th of July. Uh, well, 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 well before the 4th of July. She was complaining about fireworks uh, at 1130 at night because she's got a couple of babies and it's understandable. She, they've got a couple of dogs as well that I'm sure don't react well to that. I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate if you have kids and or pets. My God, uh, she got crushed for this. Uh, people called her an American, a 4th of July hater, a raging liberal. People were saying it's her fault and that she chose to get praised. How do people come up with certain comments to say to people? Like, I guarantee you, all these things that people were saying about her, they would never say to her face to face. They just wouldn't. Um, and by the way, listen, I, I have no issues with fireworks. I really don't. I do take issue with people who shoot them in neighborhoods. I, I mean, I question your ability to make smart decisions if you do that. With houses around, trees around, a lot of front yards got grass. Is that really the smartest thing to do? I, I mean, sure, you might say, well, nothing happened in my neighborhood. Yeah, but there are some people, like I guarantee you, I haven't looked, but if I took the uh, time to, let me just do it right now, actually. Let me just do a Google search. 4th of July, uh, or let me just search fireworks injury. Uh, yep, there it is. Um, just, just go to Google and type fireworks injury. There are unfortunately many of them. Um, wow. 14 year old died, uh, in Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I did not want to bring a somber mood to this. Uh, but my point is these things are just, they do happen just cause it doesn't happen in your presence. Doesn't mean they don't happen anywhere. So yeah, these things do happen. Uh, um, and by the way, she's not wrong. I don't think she's wrong. <laughs> Come on. I mean, people who are mocking her or mocking anyone that admit to not liking loud explosions that late at night. These are the same people who would react the exact same way. If they were trying to fall asleep at night, I mean, listen, there are some people out there that work on the night of the 4th of July. Sure. I get it. That, that I, I, you, you just understand, but man, you just, at some point got to respect your neighbors. And, and the, there are some people that do work overnight and are trying to sleep. Um, despite you being off work or off school, whatever it might be trying to have fun. 
Uh, listen, again, I'm not a big defender of Britney's, but I think people just want to slam her just to slam her. Um, like, like the champagne thing, I criticize her for that. Uh, I also criticize athletes when they do the exact same thing at championship parades. I don't agree with that. I, I don't think that should be done. Um, Dante Hall did the exact same thing once on camera. Nobody said anything, but uh, I get it. You know, today, uh, I guess Britney's a much bigger person online, I guess, uh, publicly than Dante Hall is. Speaking of Britney, uh, we go from Britney Mahomes to Britney Spears. This is a very funny story. Uh, I don't know how you say this guy's name. Uh, Victor Wembanyama. I think a lot of people call him Wemby for short uh, of the San Antonio sport Spurs. Uh, obviously, they've got the summer league going on in Las Vegas right now. Um, he was at the Aria trying to enjoy some dinner. Britney Spears and her husband saw him. They're apparently big fans and they approached him, tapped him on the shoulder and wanted to get a picture. And I guess the security guard, uh, the security head, head of security for the Spurs actually went and slapped her across the face, knocked off her glasses. And, uh, supposedly she fell on top of them. Uh, a police report was filed and then they later found out it was Britney Spears. And so they had to, you know, do an apology and they explained to her, Hey, look, we thought you were a crazy fan. And she apparently was understanding and accepted their apology. And then she said, hit me one more time, baby. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. Um, that'd be funny if she, if she did. Um, but man, yeah. Hit me baby. One more time has a, uh, has a whole new meaning to, uh, to, uh, Britney Spears. Uh, oops, I did it again. Maybe uh, she went up to him and tried to ask for another picture. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this has to be one of the more funnier sports related stories out there. Like a celebrity goes up to another celebrity. And I guess that other celebrity did not know that a celebrity approached them. Cause I guess celebrities just kind of have this code like, Oh, you're a celebrity. You want a picture? Yeah, sure. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Oh wait, you're just a crazy fan that likes me. No, stay away. Um, but no, this ended up in a uh, physical altercation. So, uh, uh, this is something I would expect to read on the onion. Um, but no, it is real. It, it really did happen. Uh, I can't wait for the video of this to come out. I can't wait. Uh, if it's not out already. Uh, okay. Um, what's the name of the hot dog eating guy? The guy that has 16 championships. What's his name? I'm Googling hot dog eater right now. Uh, Joey Chestnut. What is the obsession with this? I mean, this is gross. This is disgusting. There is nothing appealing uh, about a guy shoving 64 wieners in his mouth. I mean, what is, I mean, this guy probably goes to a hospital instantly and I will refrain from further comment there because that's not anything we need to get into here, but there is nothing impressive about this. Like the way they're chewing and eating it's gross, man. Like this is nothing. This is nothing exciting. What? I don't get it, but Hey man, kind of like what we were saying earlier with podcasts and content creating. If, if a hot dog eating contest can drive this much interest, so can anything on the internet folks go create your content. Uh, what would you do in this situation? This is the final topic of the show. This is actually a very, very scary situation. So Dave Ramsey, who hosts a very popular radio show on Sirius XM, and maybe he has other uh, ways of accessing the show outside of Sirius XM. I listen through Sirius XM. Um, he's got a radio show where he basically gives financial advice. Uh, actually, very good show. Uh, I, I enjoy it. It's entertaining. It's informative. It's very good. He had someone call in uh, a 34-year-old who dropped out of college, wanted to become a doctor, uh, and he dropped out because he, he flunked out, I should say. So technically, he didn't drop out. He s said he needs help because he has $430,000 in debt in student loans. Holy fucking shit. $430,000 in debt. 
I, I mean, I, I, and I'm listening to the, it was a five minute uh, conversation. It's on Dave Ramsey's Twitter page. If you guys want to go listen to it, it's worth the listen. Dude, I was kind of like feeling really bad for this guy. I mean, listen to what we talked about earlier with content creators making a lot of money just from posting on social media or posting on YouTube or making podcasts. Dude, this guy actually tried going to school. He struggled. He failed. He, he got kicked out. And he has more than $430,000 in debt. First of all, this guy had to have been close to finishing his, his degree, right? If you're that much in debt, you have to have been close. Um, second of all, uh, I, they were trying to find a solution for the guy, and Dave Ramsey was stumped. He actually talked about trying to find uh, some part of the medical field that he could maybe get into because of all that work he did. Because um, the guy is a high school biology teacher, and if you are a high school teacher, that is not going to help you pay off $430,000 in student loan debt. Um, my God. Um, so sometimes I just wonder if, listen, I'm not trying to scare anyone away from wanting to become a doctor or a lawyer or Anything that requires you to go to school for an extra number of years. Dude, I went to school for five years. I spent three years at a community college, two at uh, a university at KU. Man, uh, when I graduated, I was fucking done. No more school for me, man. No homework, no assignments, none of that shit. I was done. D-O-N-E, done. I wanted nothing more. Um, I'll give credit to my brother, man. He is doing fantastic uh, running a business. Um, I took a couple classes online, business classes online at a community college. That's all he needed. Um, and he's doing well. Some people are doing the exact same thing and they're doing just fine. $430,000 in debt. Dude, just hearing that number, like if I was in that position, my God, I don't know what I would do. I would, cr- dude, I would cry. Seriously, I would cry for, I would be begging for a miracle with like the Powerball or something. Um, Dude, I, maybe for this guy's sake, I hope that clip goes viral and that someone just wants to help him out. Uh, holy shit, man. 430 I can't fathom that amount of money. Um, I mean, you look at like, uh, uh, not like where Patrick Mahomes lives, but maybe just like a very solid single family house in the Kansas City area, like in Overland Park, Lenexa, uh, Olathe, Lee Summit, Independence, like in a very good neighborhood. Dude, that's like the price of a house right there. Um, I, I, I just, I, I listened to this. I am, I was actually trying to text the video clip to my family because I wanted them to hear this. I couldn't send it because it was, um, too long of a clip. So I had to meet up with them in person and show this to them. They did not believe me when I told them $430,000. That is a massive number. I don't know. What, what would you guys do? If you were $430,000 in debt, that is fucking scary. That is insane. Um, There were people responding, by the way, making jokes saying that he should just flee the country. Dude, he's 34, too older than me. Um, Listen, I was was pretty honest with you guys with all my student loans and everything. Dude, um, after college... Uh, I did get a new car, and that car did not last very long. So in two years, I got another car. My God, man! And uh, and uh, by the way, when I graduated, I had twenty eight thousand dollars in student debt or student loans, I should say. Um, I was very very lucky. Um, I did a work job in media production. That really helped. That that was one of the jobs, by the way. I talked about media earlier on. Working in media production made me leave journalism almost completely. 
Um, that really helped pay off a lot of things for me. My car, my student loans, I could not, it was, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. It really was. Um, oh, yikes. Uh, God bless this guy, man. I hope he gets the help he needs. Cause I would, I do not. The only people I would ever wish that on are like people who run businesses where they scam people. Those are the only people who would deserve that kind of the kind of thing. $430,000. I mean, listen, if he didn't flunk out, what was he going to finish with? Probably close to half a million. I mean, that is just beyond scary. Um, but that's, that's, that's real, man. Those are the things that, uh, that people deal with sometimes in the world. Uh, w- welcome to the real world, kids, as they say. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Farscast. Thank you guys for joining me on this episode. Subscribe to the podcast. Do not forget, subscribe to the Chief Zone. It is coming back very soon. I need you guys on the Facebook page, the Instagram page, the TikTok, the YouTube. I need all of you guys on there for the Chief Zone. That'll be coming back very soon. Thank you guys again. You guys all the social media. Give it a follow. All the links are in the description. I'll talk to you guys later. Take care.